And that's the life of the church. Amen. That means that there's a future here. If we came here and there was no kids, Sister Claudia, we'd be in trouble. We, we want to see kids. We want to see children, babies. Amen. It's, it's a very important. Amen. We're thankful to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, we're going to go to the word of the Lord and want to be aware of the time tonight. But uh, if you stand with me for the reading of the word, we're going to go to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And I'm going to be just reading this story that has taken place. And it's great, again, to see everybody in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night. Amen. Great to see the good turnout we had this past Sunday. Amen. God is certainly helping Abundant Life Center, helping our church, our families. Amen. There's great things that are happening. Amen. Numbers chapter 13. And beginning with verse number 1. And it says it like this. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. I want to remind you, Moses did this by the commandment of the Lord. Amen. It was not his idea, but it was God's divine direction. Skipping over, if you will, to verse number 17 of the same chapter. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that, that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob. As men come to Hamath. And skipping one more time for the sake of time um, to verse 25, the same chapter. Verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they came and went to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them. And unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. And surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of, of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And verse 30 says, And Caleb 
stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature, of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Amen. And just for a few moments, amen, I want to preach on this topic. Reason versus revelation. Reason versus revelation. If you could help me, amen, I want you to help me to pray that God would speak to us tonight. Amen. I am nothing without Him, and we need Him. Jesus, we thank You for the opportunity to come into Your house tonight. I'm asking You tonight to anoint my lips of clay, God. I am but, I'm but dirt, God. I'm but clay. I'm nothing without You, God. We need You, God, and I believe that, God, if You will intervene in this service tonight, I believe, God, if You will show up, I believe, God, if You will move, and if You will speak to us, God, there can be change that takes place there can be transformation tonight god we will not fail to give you all the glory and all of the honor and we pray in jesus name amen god bless you you can be seated amen the story we read here in the book of numbers chapter 13 is the account of the israel's the, the people of god the hebrew people as they went to scout out the promised land that was there that God had promised him. It was a land that was flowing, the Bible says, with milk and honey. And God spoke, amen, to Moses, amen, to send out scouts, amen, one out of every tribe, out of every tribe, uh, to go through the land of Canaan and to and to see if there was wood or if there was not wood, if there was a, if it was a fat land or a lean land, if it was cities that uh, that was there, if, or if there was tents, or if there was just strongholds, and to really get the lay of the land, and to really bring back the report, amen, to Moses and to the congregation. The Bible says that they brought back a report, the twelve spies, uh, and there was two of the twelve, the Bible says those names was Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb brought back a report that said, yeah, there's all of these different things that that we experienced and we encountered, that we witnessed. That yes, they were there, and yes, uh, they are formidable. But I believe that in verse 30, Amen, Caleb said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. And the ten other spies, Amen, they began to uh, offer up a contrary report. They began to offer up a negative report, a report that was filled with human reasoning and a lack of faith. Amen. It was a it was a report that was devoid of revelation that God wanted to give to the people that day. And they said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Amen. In their human reasoning, they began to reason, amen, that the people in that land of Canaan were stronger than them. They were giants in the land. They had walled cities and they began to bring up every uh, every descriptive 
turning into uh, to sort of encapsulate and to, to capture the uh, the imagination, the attention of the people of God, and to let them know, Amen, that that thing that God wanted to do in their lives, you're not able to experience it because you're inferior, Amen. And God did not, Amen. God God is not able to do what He said He would do. Amen. And there is a there is a clash that happens in that happened in Numbers chapter thirteen. It was reason versus revelation that began to clash. They began to butt heads in in Numbers chapter thirteen. The philosopher. For a moment, I want to set a foundation. The philosopher begins his analysis of the meaning of things. By his own reasoning. And he bases his philosophy upon his own or other philosophers' conclusions. And by observant and by patient reasoning, he continues to weave his own interpretation of the nature of things. This is what philosophizing, in essence, does. It is, it is that observant, patient reasoning that, that is just on the outside looking in. And this, this philosopher, philosophers, they, they continue to weave their own interpretation of the nature of things. And in philosophizing, they're, they're looking at some object or some action or, or some church service or some thing in the Word of God. And they're standing back and they're reasoning and they're reasoning and they're reasoning. All the while just observing, but never really engaging. And the more they reason, the more they come up with new uh, philosophies and new uh, reasoning. And it's just based upon a human side of things. It's based upon a worldly concept. Amen. And that is that reasoning that is what took place in the minds of the ten doubting spies. Amen. They looked at things and they began to observe. And they began to say, man, those walls are mighty big, Brother Paul. Man, those those people, Brother Nathan, those people are giants. Did you see how big that enemy was? Did you see how formidable how how formidable that city was? The walls, man, they were thick. Man, I believe that God wants to do it, but I don't know if we're the ones. I don't know if 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 God is really able to do it. And reasoning begins to work, and it begins to sow, Amen. Seeds of doubt. Reason is not only used to construct the philosophy. But it is also used to create the foundation for the philosophy. Ultimately, reason itself becomes the foundation of human philosophy. It is a mere humanistic perspective on things. Reasoning is that humanistic perspective. I don't know if I believe everything that man of God is preaching. I don't know if I if I believe what God is saying in His Word. I hear what He's saying. I'm observing it, and I come to church and, and I hear it, but I don't know if I if I really believe it. Amen. That is humanistic philosophy. Humanistic philosophizing and reasoning. And it's observing, amen, in the flesh. Amen. What's happening in the spirit. And you cannot fully grasp a hold, amen, of the things that God wants to do unless you allow revelation to work in your life. Unless you allow God to move in your life and you begin to step out, amen, of your your reasoning and you begin to step into the experiential. You begin to say, God, I want to see if that's really true, God. I want to step out and I want to experience it. I want to see, God, if what you're talking about and what that preacher's preaching about, it can be realized in my life. Amen. Ultimately, reason itself becomes a foundation of human philosophy.
Christian theology on the opposite side of the spectrum. Christian theology is not so. Because in Luke chapter 17 and verse number 20, Jesus himself declares in red letters in your Bible that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. The kingdom of God comes not by just merely observing. Amen. There are some things, amen, that God has in store for this church and for your families. And you cannot get there by mere observance, by mere observance, by merely just coming and watching, by mere just coming and observing. Amen. Others in this world, they cannot get a hold of that thing that God wants to do by just observing and watching. But somewhere along the line, it must it must move, amen, from observance to the experiential. The kingdom of God comes through revelation to truly experience God, to truly know, amen, the plans that God has. It's got to come through revelation. It's got to come, amen, through revelation, which is based in faith. Revelation comes out of faith. Amen. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God for he that cometh to God. He that cometh to God, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. In the diligently seeking him, amen, it's not, amen, you move from being an observer to being one that diligently seeks him. It's believing that he is a rewarder. Because I am experiencing God. I'm pursuing Him. I'm not sitting back. Amen. In the rafters. I'm not sitting back. Amen. On the sidelines just watching. But somewhere. Amen. Along the line. Somewhere in the course of the service. You've got to say. I'm going to make my way to an altar. I'm going to make my way to an apostolic altar. Somewhere through the course of my week. I'm going to build an altar in my home. And I'm going to experience some things that God has in store for my life. Could we worship Him in this place tonight? Hallelujah. Let's lift our voices unto the Lord right now. God, we love You. Oh, we love You, Jesus. Jesus, I want to engage the Holy Ghost. I want to engage in the heavenly tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Amen. The kingdom of God comes through revelation. Amen. Therefore, no matter how long man would observe natural and and psychic phenomena. Amen. He will never discover the true God of the Bible. Amen. As long as you're just content to observing, as long as you're content to just watching, as long as you're content to be on the sidelines, as long as you're content to not be involved and not be engaged, amen, you will never know the true God of the Bible because He comes through revelation. And revelation happens when you begin to interact with God. You begin to preach with the preacher. You begin to show up to service and you begin to worship God. Amen, Sister Lawrence here. Brother Nathan's there. 
and Sister Monica's here, and Sister Teresa's been here, and they're worshiping the Lord. Amen. Amen. They can only do so much until you and I begin to say, I'm going to worship with them. I'm going to engage in that spirit of worship that's trying to sweep into the church house, and I will magnify him. Amen. That happens because of revelation. Amen. As long as you sit back and just reason away, amen, you will never fully come in contact with the true God of the Bible. The kingdom of God comes not with observation. It comes not with observation. And God can only be known by the way He has revealed Himself in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. But, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. But And then skip into verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Amen. You, it's, this, this is something that you cannot approach. Amen. Just merely in the flesh. It's not something that you can uh, you can merely just approach in the natural realm. Amen. But there is a spirit side of this. There is a spiritual side to a church service. That's why, amen, a few moments ago we talked about pre-service prayer and the Monday night prayer meeting. Because if we can if we can get into God's presence, if we can begin to interact with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God can begin to work in our lives. Amen. The kingdom of God begins to come. Amen. But the natural man receiveth not. The things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. This is something, amen, that is uh, revelatory. This is something, amen, that comes when you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life. How long has it been, if I may ask the question, that you've spoken of the tongues? How long has it been since you just... You just got in there and you prayed and you begin to speak in tongues and the tears begin to come down your cheeks. Amen. It's not always crying, but there should be a good dose of crying when you're in God's presence. Sometimes it's shouting, sometimes it's jumping, sometimes it's dancing. Amen. But you, there should be some times, amen, when you begin to just weep in God's presence. Amen. The prophets of old begin to say, woe is me. I'm lowly. I'm undone. Amen. They begin to realize that, amen, how they were in the eyes of God. Amen. Small. Amen. But uh, as they begin to get in God's presence, God began to work in their lives. Amen. God began to speak to people. God began to speak to men of old. But it happened when they got in the spirit of God. I understand that the Holy Ghost was not yet given till the New Testament. But there has always been a Spirit of God that's been working throughout even the Old Testament. The Spirit of God has forever been working in the earth. The Spirit of God has forever been working throughout the ages of time. It's only in the New Testament that the Spirit of God began to be on the inside of the people. Amen. But the Spirit of God was there all throughout the pages of the Old Testament. God was working. God was prophesying. God was speaking to His people. God was trying to, to use a man by the name of Jonah to reach a Gentile people. God it all has always been trying to reach a lost and dying world. The Spirit of God has forever been working 
in the earth. Amen. And it's, I believe that it is that same Spirit of God that would begin to move in Joshua and Caleb's life. In Numbers chapter 13, I believe it was that spirit of revelation that began to work in their lives. And they began to say, wait a minute. God spoke to Moses, the man of God in our lives. Amen. God spoke to him a word of revelation. And if I will, if I'll step out on that word of revelation, if I'll step out, amen, based off what God has spoken to my man of God by the name of Moses, God will come through. It is revelation that precedes the supernatural. It is revelation that precedes the supernatural. Studying the Bible as a scientific textbook, which dissects God and makes him observable, misses the whole point of Scripture. I've got textbooks. Those of you that have went to college or even high school, you probably, you might still have some textbooks. I've got too many textbooks at home, quite honestly. They're from the early 2000s. They're so outdated. Uh, I've got textbooks. And one thing I learned going through after finishing college that the things I learned in college didn't fully prepare me for the real world. Because when I finished college uh, and I got my accounting degree and then I went to work in audit, I realized, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And I felt that, okay, I, I've been observing, I've been, uh, I've been reading about this, I've been studying about it, I've been hearing lectures about it, but now that I'm doing it, it's a whole different dynamic. Things begin. Things are, are not. They're not cookie cutter. It's not a cookie cutter approach. And this is not the the same type of problem I studied about in my uh, in my senior class or uh, or in my last college class. This is not the same type of predicament situation. And you begin to realize. Wait a minute. Now I'm stepping into the experiential. And you talk to people that have been in the workforce for years and have gone to college, and they'll they'll tell you, yes, yeah, study what you can in college. Get it down. Uh, but there's this another side of it that you gotta you gotta get that practical experience so you can know how to deal with the things in life. It's the same thing with coming to church. You can come to church. You can even attend a Bible study. You can hear the preacher preach. You can hear podcasts. You can watch YouTube videos left and right. But until you you say, okay, I'm gonna put that into action. I'm gonna put that into to, to practice and to, to praxis. I'm going to say, okay, the God that I've been hearing preached about, Sister Raina, the God that I've been hearing taught about, I'm going to see if I can know him for myself. I'm going to see if I can find him in a place of prayer all by myself, locked up in my prayer closet. The God that, amen, Bishop Nathaniel Wilson preached about, amen, the God that Pastor John Schumann preached about, the God that Bishop Camarina preached about all those years. I've got to see if that God is really real, if that God really cares about me, if I can really experience God for myself, and you move, amen, from a place of observance and reasoning and philosophizing to a place of revelation, to a place of experiencing God and knowing for yourself, amen, the God that my parents preached about, the God that the pastor talked about, that God is a real God. And I've seen him for myself. 
to truly know God, one must do more than just study the Scripture to grasp concepts objectively or even merely attend a service. There must be engagement with the supernatural. There must be an engagement with the supernatural. We can talk about worldly things versus eternal things. The difference between the worldly and the eternal is one considers things of ultimate concern. One of these components, only one of them, considers things of ultimate concern. And that is the eternal. Eternal things, amen, are dealing with things of ultimate concern. And that only uh, the eternal things are only known, they're only experienced through a personal encounter with God. But devoid of that personal encounter with God, all you know is the natural or the worldly side of things. That which lacks ultimate concern. And that is the trivial and that is a temporal. Amen. Because the trivial and the temporal come naturally. Amen. It's, it's a natural thing to, to want to acquire things. It, it's a natural thing to want to, to have more in this world. Amen. But it's a whole other thing. Amen. To say, I don't want just things of this world. I want something of the other world. I want to obtain what God has. I want the kingdom of God to come into my life. And the kingdom of God doesn't come through observance. Amen. But it comes with engaging in the spirit. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. That's how you experience the kingdom of God. When you get in the Holy Ghost. And when you get in the Holy Ghost. See, I'm going to step out from this state of observing and reasoning and philosophizing and my own human intellect and my own human understanding and I'm going to I'm going to get a hold of God. I'm going to allow God to speak to my life. I'm going to allow amen God to give me some revelation, God to give me some eternal things and to deposit some things into my spirit. Hallelujah. There is amen that battle reasoning versus revelation. Reasoning versus revelation. Reasoning versus revelation. For Psalms chapter 20 and verse number 7 says, Some, some trust in horse and chariots and some in horses. That's the natural side of things. That's the reasoning side. How many chariots, how many horses, how many uh how many uh, infantrymen do we have? Uh, we're going to be facing the children of Ammon or the Amalekites or the Jebusites. How, how many do we have? How, how many do they have? Okay, uh, how big are they? How, how, how small are we? Okay, and that's the reasoning side of things. That, that's, that's, you and your, that's you and your human intellect saying, I'm going to trust in horses and I'm going to trust in chariots. But the last part of Psalms 27 says, We will remember the name of the Lord our God. That's Revelation. I'm going to trust in God. The, the, the Bible says, amen, the psalmist David said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. And if I, if I live with that, 
with that revelation that I know that if I'll be faithful in my tithing, yes. if I'll be faithful in my offerings, God will not see me go lacking. God will not see me go wanting. Amen. God will provide. So when the when the call is given in the church service to give an offering or to give some tithing unto the Lord, I'm going to make my way to that plate and I'm going to put down the tithing. I'm going to put down the 10%. I'm going to put down an offering because I'm living with revelation. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is she begging bread. God, on that revelation, I'll give a tithing. I'll give an offering. I know you'll provide for me because the word of God says, and I will engage. I will engage. I will engage. True theology by its very nature is inward and experiential. The reason for this is because God is alive now. He's alive right now. God is not a dead God. He's not a, he's not a, a molten, graven image on a shelf in your, in your living room. Amen. He's not some edifice that you come to worship Amen. On, on a few times a week. Amen. God is not some uh, some static object that you that you come and you touch and you kiss the feet the feet of that that object. Amen. But God is alive right now, and because God is alive, Amen. God wants to interact. God wants to engage. God wants to say, Ah, I'm alive. Ah, you can have a relationship with me. You can talk with me. I want to talk with you. That's the alive God that is now. And he is knowable. He is communicating. He's loving. He's correcting. And he's a father over all. Amen. That's the God that we serve. He wants to interact. He wants you to, to live with revelation, not with reason, not just sit back and say, yeah, you're preaching about a God. You're talking about a God. Amen. I see pictures on a page about a God. But somewhere along the line, you and I have got to say, God, I want to experience you for myself. I want to have that relationship with God. It was in my teenage years. It was in my teenage years in believe that I began reaching out to God. Saying, God, if my parents, if my parents have a hold of God, let me have a hold of God. Brother Terrence, it was in my, my younger years when I began to say, God, let me have my own walk with you. I want to, I want to experience God for myself. I want to know him for myself. It's that... It's living with revelation. It's living with being able to experience God for yourself. The highest revelation of God to the individual is through life, action, and experience. Amen. Through the life that you live, the, the actions, amen, and the experiences that you have with God, you begin to understand God more fully. Through a lifetime of experience, Bishop Camarino or Sister, Sister Kathy Camarino or Sister Terry could, could begin to tell us some stories of the things that God's done in their lives. And that's experience that's speaking. And that's a revelation of God. And somebody else for the first time here that would just come and hear one of these fine individuals testify of the things of God. Or, or Sister Kim or Brother Cedric begin to testify of the things of God. They could begin to understand about God a little bit more because it's through your experience that you begin to share who God is. And as they begin to live that life and they begin to take steps of action to know God for themselves, they begin to see Him more clearly. And they begin to live with revelation. It's in the waters of baptism. It's in an altar of repentance and the infill of the Holy Ghost that you begin to see Him. As he is more clearly. And God is revealed. 
But you've got to decide. You have got to decide. Every one of us has got to decide. If your desired end, the thing you want at the end of your life, is to merely know about God or to know God. There's only two options. You've got to decide. At the end of my life, do I want to say I know him or I know about him? I went to church all my life. I heard the preacher preach all my life. I listened to podcasts all my life. But I still don't know him because I haven't got it on the inside. I haven't engaged God for myself. You've got to decide if your desire to is to know about God or to know God. Webster's definition of the word revelation, the act of disclosing or discovering to others what was before unknown to them. Appropriately, the disclosure or communication of truth to men. And Webster says it like this, by God himself or by his authorized agents. That's the ministry, the prophets and apostles. And Webster is not writing the Bible, but there's some helpful things he has. We don't quote Webster like he's, this is the Bible, but it's a little bit understanding of the definition of that word revelation. These things are coming by God himself. And the only way that God begins to give you revelations, you begin to say, okay, the preacher preach about repentance. I'm going to come down to an altar and I'm going to say, God, I repent of my sins. And God says, oh, you just responded. You just interacted. The preacher preaches about baptism. You raise your hand. I want to get baptized. I want to know what it's like to have my sins washed away. God says, okay, you want to to experience some things. You're going to begin to know me for yourself. You're going to begin to know that I I can wash away all your sins. You say, well, the preacher's preaching about Holy Ghost. I'm going to come to an altar or I'm just going to lift my hands right where I am. And I'm going to seek for the Holy Ghost. And God responds and says, okay, you want to experience me? I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to deposit my spirit into your heart and into your soul. And you'll never walk alone no more. Amen. You'll never be by yourself. For lo, I'm with you always. God begins to respond. Reason is that which is thought or which is alleged in words as the ground or case or cause of opinion, conclusion or determination. Suffice it to say that reason is derived in the flesh. Reason is derived in the flesh. These concepts, as we're closing, these concepts affect how we live our lives. Reason versus revelation. It will affect how you live your life. If if it is... If you're living your life based off revelation, revelation that comes from hearing the word of God and from applying the word of God, and it causes you to engage, amen, you begin to live in that state of revelation and understanding, amen, when you begin to, uh, we're talking even tonight about prayer meetings, you say, okay, that uh, I may not think that's necessary, I may have my own perspectives and my own views, amen, but God spoke to the man of God, to the pastor tonight about a prayer meeting, so I'm going to show up for prayer meeting, I'm going to watch God work in my life, and I'm going to watch God deal my kids Holy Ghost in prayer meetings. And I'm going to be healed in prayer meetings. I'm going to be there at an altar call. 
I'm going to give my tithing and my offerings because I'm living with revelation. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God because I understand. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And if I'm going to dwell with my brothers, I've got to get to the house of God because that's where the brethren are in the house of God. But reasoning and the worldly and the temporal, if the musicians could come, reasoning and the worldly and the temporal make statements like this. Just observe, but never engage. Just go, but only watch. Show up. But don't do what the preacher is talking about. Just engage in things that are not of ultimate concern. Engage in things that are temporary and things that are passing. Reasoning says engage in things that are trivial. But in things that are of ultimate concern, don't worry about those things. Just find something trivial. Find something uh, that's not of ultimate concern. Stay in the shallow waters. Reasoning. Stay in the shallow waters. It's not worth the risk going too deep in God. It's not worth the risk doing what the church is asking. Reasoning says only strive for the temporal and material things of this world. And I believe that God wants to bless this church. But if we're going to live with revelation and not based on our own human reason, somewhere along the line, we're going to say, I'm going to engage. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to allow God to move in my life. I'm going to go places in God. The two spies, or the 12 spies in Numbers chapter 13, were tasked with bringing a report back of the things that God had promised them. God told them, Brother Raul, there's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a beautiful land. You just got to take the land. They went out and said, well, you know what? Yes, it is old. It is that what God promised. But I got, I got some issues in my life that I don't know if God can use me. I got some... Uh, I'm not big like those giants in the land I don't have this qualification and that qualification I'm not we're not able and they begin to sow seeds of doubt because they live with reasoning and they never got a hold of God and they never allowed the spirit of revelation to come into their lives there are some things that God wants to do in your family's life in our church that we'll never know until we get into the spirit of God the Spirit of God, as it were, a river. Hallelujah. A river of the Spirit that's flowing. Hallelujah. Imagine a picture in your mind, if, if you will, for a moment. The Spirit of God is this river that's flowing. From one direction to another, it's flowing. And as long as you stay on the on the banks of the river and say, Man, that man, look at that river. Look at those people going down the river. Hey, they're not where they used to be. They used to start out here, now they're way over there. Wow, look at them. They're, they're so different. But as long as you sit back on the banks of the river, just watch it. 
you're never going to experience what God has. But it's when you just say, you know, I'm just going to jump in. And all of a sudden, God begins to take you places. And, and your, your, your disposition begins to change. You begin to look different. You begin to talk different. Amen. You begin to uh, express yourself different. And, and there's a change. There's a transformation that begins to happen in your life. It's when you engage and you jump in. It's that revelation. Joshua and Caleb said, man, we're able to possess that land. And, but it was because of the, the report of the ten doubting spies that the Bible says that uh, the people of God would wander for several more years in the wilderness because of their unbelief. What things are you and I leaving on the table because we never engage in a lifestyle of revelation? We never engage in the preached word of God. What kind of things are, are just sitting there on the table? Amen. And, and God says, that's for you, son. That's for you, daughter. And you just sit back and say, yeah, I know. But I don't know if I, my arms are long enough. I, I can reach. I don't know if I got enough muscles to pick it up. And God says, that's for you. I want to bless this church. I want to use your family. I want to save your kids. I want to use you to teach home Bible studies. I want to use you for this and for that. And you're looking at a promised land. And you're saying, God, it's so hard. How am I ever going to get there? But it's simply taking a step of faith and saying, God, I'm just going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to do what I know to do. And I'm going to trust you to help me. The people of God, amen, they overcame Canaan land one city at a time, Brother Paul. It was Jericho with its big walls that they faced the first city. And the Bible says that God gave them direction. And God began to speak to them. This is how you overcome. This is how you defeat the walled cities. This is how you defeat the giants. If you just listen to my direction, if you listen to my word, and you act in faith, God will enable this church to obtain the promise. What kind of a revival would we leave on the table tonight if this church just sat back or withdrew or pulled back? Say, I don't know if it's worth that effort. I don't know if it's worth that much energy. I, I don't know if we have what it takes. There's a whole generation that was lost because of the ten doubting spies. I want you to think about that. There was a whole generation that was lost because of ten spies that doubted the word of God. Now, as it relates to Abundant Life Center right now, we are at a place if you will, in the history of our church, where we're fixing to expand that wall. Architect came by last week, a couple of them. One quoted $4,000. And as a cheap rate, I'm getting a couple more estimates to find out. And the contractor came back to my father yesterday, said it's going to cost 4000 now, I think we can get a better rate than that. But still, with human reasoning, we can say, man, yeah, that's money we could put down on a church down the road. And God's blessed our church financially. We're, we're saving for a down payment. 
But we look at something and say, man, what it's going to take to get that wall to come down. It's going through architects. It's going through contractors, Brother Miguel. It's going through city officials. It's going through the owner. It's going through all these steps. Walled cities. Giants. I don't know what to do when I go to the city, Brother Miguel. When I go to the city hall, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm in, I'm in over my head. You try going to the city hall talking to whomever makes the decisions. But I believe that we're able to possess him. So we're going to forge ahead. And God's going to make a way. God's going to provide. God's going to either do a few things. He's going to bless you to be able to give. He's going to give you the strength to help do it. Or something other. But because we say, you know what? That wall, yeah, that wall's big. How tall is that wall, Brother Roll? Is that about a 14, 15 foot wall? How tall? 12 foot? It's a good, good sized wall. There's a wall that needs to come down. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take giving. It's going to take a little bit of elbow grease. But if we can take this wall, think of the other 40 or 50 people that would come to fill this place. Because this place could hold 120 when that wall's down. But it's on the backs of people that say, we're, we're well able to do it. We're well able to do it. This is not a giving service. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying there's things that happen in the natural. That if we look at it only in the natural, we'll, we'll draw back in fear and we'll retreat. But if we'll get in the Holy Ghost, we'll say, God, you promised us that we would have revival. You, you said you're, you were going to pour out your spirit, God. Make a way, God. And with revelation and not reasoning, we push ahead. And we say, God, help it to be so. Help it to come to pass. Some, some help that wall to come down with prayer and fasting. You say, I don't have any money. But I can pray. I'm going to pray that wall down, Sister Gina. Sister Didi, I'm going to pray that wall down. I'm going to fast till that wall comes down, whatever it would be. And God will help this church to see and experience and grab a hold of things. I'd like for us to stand to our feet as we close the service tonight.